I'm Allison Robertson, and this week on Hold the Drama, we're sitting down with Michael Cohen, a fantastic actor who can currently be seen on Nickelodeon's hit sitcom Henry Danger as Schwaz. Michael has appeared in other hit shows like Modern Family, Two Broke Girls, and way more than I have time to mention in this intro. This is a man who is the definition of a working actor. He loves his job and fully understands how this business works. So much so that he teaches a class on it at the University of Texas at Austin in Los Angeles. If you're ever wondering how to make a living acting, this is the episode you can't miss. Make sure you settle in and ready because it's going to be a ride. We are here today with Michael D. Cohen, and you don't even know this, but I am a huge fan of yours. What? What? Who knew? Wow. On, on several levels, um, which I'll tell you about later, but he's an actor and a teacher. What else? Yeah? Did I get it all? I think, yeah, pretty much. Pretty I mean, much. I, I write and I, I do some consulting, but that, 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 you know, in the business, in terms of uh, scripts and that. You're a real deal. Um, but, <laughs> real deal. But um, <laughs> mainly my focus these days is on acting and, uh, and teaching. Yes. See, I have a nephew mm-hmm. who is a huge fan of Henry Danger. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. So I am a hero aunt right now. Um, <laughs> so we're thrilled to have you here on Hold the Drama. Thanks. I'm, um, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So tell me, how do you hold the drama in your life? Well, what do you mean exactly by hold the drama? Because I can, I'm, uh, by the way, I was one of those kids in school that in, in grade two, I'm Canadian, by the way, so I yes, say grade I do. two. I just Winnipeg, realized. right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. You did done your homework. Wow. Um, that the teacher wanted to uh, put me in, in the remedial class at one point. My parents said, why? Because I was, they thought I was smart. And they said, well, because he's irrelevant. And, what? And, yeah. And, and they said, what do you mean? Said, well, when, they, when we ask him a question... He'll come up with like, well, it depends on this. It depends on that. And what do you mean by this? And what do you mean by that? I could never give him a straight answer, which you need the specifics. Yeah, we'll see how you feel at the end of this interview if I'm irrelevant <laughs> or not. You can you can decide. But yeah, like they. Uh, so so um, okay. So, so my I, question is, what exactly do you mean by hold well, the drama? what I mean by hold the drama is when you have drama come into your life, mm-hmm. either creatively or personally, mm-hmm. what do you do to stop it or mitigate the stress effects from it? Do you like drink a bottle of vodka? Right. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, that's that's effective. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that it depends on the drama, of course. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I think that I'm always wanting to know what is it that I need to learn in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, I, I've studied with um, you know certain kind of like meditation and things like that. And Byron Katie, who's someone that I did some work with, says things don't happen to you, they happen for you. I say that all the time. Do you? It doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, what what is going on? How will this actually work for me? And even if I can't figure that out right now down the road, I have the faith that this is happening for me. Um, I think that, you know, what I've learned in my life too, and I think other people can probably relate, is that when things go unchecked, they knock on your door in the form of crisis. So it's sort of like... We you know, are yeah. from the same tribe. Because yeah. I, say, I say that all the time when people yeah. have car accidents or something happens. I always say, hello, pay attention. If you didn't get hurt, it's just pay attention. It's information that you need to slow down, yeah. listen a little harder. Yeah. That something that, that, that in some way there's like, where is my responsibility in it? So what did I, what did I not want to see? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes just like shit happens too. Right. Yeah. Um, not then, everything is a burning bush. No, no, right. no. Um, but I think a lot of the times if, if you can try and make some meaning out of it and I, I try and try and do that 
and um, see how this is supposed to help me. I think, you know, at some at some point, I I, I kind of made this decision that um, I, I I'd read Shirley MacLaine at one point, mm-hmm. like years and years ago, and in her, one of her books, she says that she chose acting as her path to God. Ooh. And I thought that was like it just resonated. I just thought, wow, that's I that's love that. so amazing because what happens is if you don't, it doesn't matter how it turns out. Right. It's all about just being present to what's happening. So I, I, I make the effort to, um, live like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's not always easy, but I, that way, whatever's happening, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, you know, who am I to decide how that's supposed to be? Um, I'm just there to be observe. present to it. And yeah. Observe. Yeah. Whether it's right or wrong, you yeah. learn, yeah. right? Well, I know you're from Canada mm-hmm. and how did you get into the business? Uh, well, I always knew I wanted to, uh, be in the, in the business. Um, I started in Vancouver. Um, I just, well, I was acting as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, not professionally, but more as like community theater type stuff, um, with this youth group I was with and then took acting all through high school and then, um, did one year of, uh, theater school at UBC, mm-hmm. University of British Columbia, mm-hmm. and then did what, you know, a lot of actors do is I transferred out and went into science. Because <laughs> that's the Cause, natural path, Because right? that's a natural path, you know. Um, Did but, you think you were going to be a doctor? Well, I, I wanted, I was toying with it, but I knew I wasn't going to, but I was kind of pretending that I did. You were going to play I, one on TV. I was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I liked the idea of saying, I could get into med school if I want to, you know, I thought that would right. give me some sort of credibility with relatives or something. I don't well, know. Well, because what. relatives and people just don't take creatives as a real job. I'm using air quotes, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it I, is. I think on some level I felt that way too. Like mm-hmm. I thought I couldn't quite justify getting the theater degree that I was pursuing because it just didn't, something wasn't quite right. And I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And when I was studying, uh, cell biology is what I studied. I just felt very <laughs> stimulated and, you know, really interested in it. And I, I actually feel like, um, when you really study molecular biology, it is actually like it's like a soap opera. Really? Yeah. Like all the interactions of the molecules and the, the, the different enzymes and everything and all these interactions. It's, it's like, you know, a really intense episode of, um, um, the housewives of Beverly Hills, <laughs> you know, it's like, did you think that at that time? No, cause reality TV hadn't, hadn't existed exposed. at that point, but I think that's how actually reality TV came to be. They studied molecular Molecules. biology. Yeah. But anyway, you, you know asked- what? Mm-hmm. For me, as a mom, I'm going to say that that's how it happened since my daughters watch reality TV too much. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, hopefully they'll be doctors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, there's a reason for it. Um, anyway, um, have I proved myself irrelevant yet? Let's see. But, um, no, not okay. at all. <laughs> we um, had a conversation before but, we but, went on okay. there. So you asked so me how, how I got how how do you got? Get, So ch- child actor, go to school. Yeah, change you focus. You go back to drama. So what happens is I graduate and then I start working in production. I start working behind the scenes because I, I didn't feel ready to be in front of the camera yet. Got it. And so I worked as a PA. I worked as, um, I worked at the CBC in Vancouver. I worked in different shows as a researcher. I have a, kind of an analytical mind. So I was, I, get that. I was good at, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, you can get a little heady sometimes, but, um, so I, um, I did that for a while, but really I wanted to be in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And so, um, eventually I did what, uh, you know, the next step that most actors do is I got a master's in adult education. Um, (laughs) you were really avoiding jumping in front of it, right? I really was. I actually really, that's astute. I really, really was. I wasn't, I just wasn't ready. 
and I was studying acting. I did a lot of, I did voiceover in Vancouver. Yes. Um, Which I saw too, right? Yeah, I did, I did that. Um, is that something you continue to do today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, voiceover was safer. I was just, I was behind the mic and, mm-hmm. and I always could do cartoon voices. I could always do like, you know, really weird voices and stuff. So I just <laughs> kind of went with that and, um, and, um, and then produced some little shorts and things like that. But then I moved to Toronto to do grad school and I got an agent there and really started, I really honed in. And then, you know, I, at one point I just said, okay, it's now or never. I either do this acting thing or I don't. And when you went to grad school, was it for a theater? No, it was adult education. Still, okay. But it was with the intent of was teaching. Was that like a safety? Was that your thought? No, or? no. I really, I, I knew that it was going to, I really wanted to understand how to create learning environments that were transformative for oh. performers. Um, That's amazing. So I think, yeah, I, I, I loved, I mean, the, the, the program itself, I don't know how much it, I don't know if it really, it helped, it gave me a structure in which to examine that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was really, uh, passionate about these workshops I was taking at the time that were, or that I'd taken right out of school, like in my early twenties that were all really very much about understanding yourself and what do you need to feel successful, not be successful, but, mm-hmm. but really like certain elements that make you, that are necessary for you to thrive. And, and I just saw the transformation in people from, you know, the beginning of this workshop to the end. I went like, I want to create learning environments where people transform like that and have these big aha moments and yeah. get to know themselves and put it in the context of um, studying acting. Creativity. And creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether they're a director or an actor or whatever, a writer, I want to be able to, to create that kind of structure for them. And so that's why I did the masters knowing that one day it's like Kabbalah one day I'll be ready to do that you know like you have to be 40 um <laughs> so so you were really a double major during that time you were studying your creative arts but also learning this uh teaching and special education that you use today I'm I mean I'm making that assumption but you yeah. teach right yeah yeah exactly um the the special special education I guess usually has to do with people that have some sort of learning challenge but so I I don't I don't I, but it's it's definitely a kind of a alternative kind of education in a sense. Actors yeah. can use that too. Yeah, yeah, they guess so. All right. Because we're so, special. All right. So you, when do you get in front of the camera? Um, so I was, I started, I went back to voiceover in Toronto and then I got in front of the camera. Um, I guess it was like the late nineties. I got back in front of it. And what did you feel when you were in front of the camera? Oh, it's just, you know, exhilarating. It was exhilarating. I was finally doing what I wanted to do all my life. You know, was it like you were home? Yes, very much. Very much, you know, the, the camera is like right there and I'm like, hello, you're my friend, you know, like it just I felt you. so, you know, yeah, it just felt so natural and it, you know, you get into situations like that where something feels so natural and you go, why did I wait so long? Oh, I love that response. That, cause that was my follow up question. Did you feel that you waited or did you feel you were prepared, but you were like, why did I wait so long? Yeah. But I, I think that I needed to, I think it was, you know, I probably just wasn't we, we do things when we're ready and that, I guess that's when Agreed. I was ready and I don't feel bad about that, but I, I, and I was getting a lot, the, the, the experience I got behind the camera doing all that production in Vancouver and all that was just invaluable to understand how, um, just how production works. And currently, mm-hmm. what are you doing? What's happening now? Well, now I'm in LA. I'm not in Canada anymore because mm-hmm. we're here yep. in LA in my living room. Yes, we are, <laughs> which is lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, so now I'm. We're on hiatus from Henry Danger. We just found out we got renewed for season five. 
Congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about Henry Danger and being on a kid's show? Sure. Um, it's like eating jelly beans every day. <laughs> a great way to put it it's incredibly fun not particularly nutritious all the time but super fun Um, so you went on that show in 2014 um yeah yeah i think that's yeah that was the first and what's your character on henry danger uh i play a guy named schwaz Uh um i'm so glad you said it and uh, i didn't (laughs) (laughs) um very few people can spell it Uh uh-huh it's s-c-h-w-o-z or zed Uh uh-huh um and um He's this, he, he creates all of the gadgets for the man cave and for Captain Man and Kid Danger. And um, he's like the, the cue to James Bond, you know, the oh, yeah. the, the weapons yeah, expert. Yeah. And like he just, he, he developed, he created the whole man cave and all this stuff. Um, and uh, he has an accent of um, indiscernible um, descent. We don't know where he's from. <laughs> it's okay. He's it's, a man of mystery. He's a man of mystery. He's, it's a, people ask me where the accent's from. I said it's, I, I'm basically what I say is it's, partly um it's it's like russian (laughs) serbian italian spanish and israeli and all yours (laughs) (laughs) no one can duplicate it (laughs) that's Uh, awesome now when you auditioned for schwaz mm -hmm. what did you think i mean here's a disney show right uh nickelodeon Nickelodeon. oh sorry nickelodeon nickelodeon but you've been on I've been on some Disney shows yeah, yeah. before that, yeah. Okay, Nickelodeon. Yeah. What did you think when you got there? Well, I, I didn't originally audition for that character. I auditioned for a different character named um, Dr. Mignac, who's played by the amazing Mike Ostrowski. If you've ever seen Dr. Mignac, he's... Uh, um, and, and Mike is about 6'5", maybe? Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're, we look very similar. <laughs> You're like siblings. <laughs> yes, <you're> twins. <laughs> um, they they had in the in the in the pilot they had um, another amazing actor Ben Giroux, mm-hmm. and him and I are about the same height, and he played this guy named the toddler, um, and you know Ben's like I don't know he's like five two or something, and um, and so then I came in for this next villain, and I'm like I know they're not going to cast me in this because they're not what all the villains are five whatever like they're mm-hmm. all under five five what is this world you know right. um, so I, I kind of had a sense that they probably would go with someone else but I you know prepped the audition anyway and went in and did it and they were happy with it and we're sending it to producers and then I got a call from my manager saying you know they're sending your tape to the producers I like what you did for Doctor Mignac but. Um, there's another character that they had written into the series and they did, they ca- tried to cast it and they couldn't find the right person for it and they wrote, wrote the character out. But they actually think that you would be right for this character and they want you to come in and audition for it. And I was going on a trip that weekend. I was camping with my clown buddy from Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, the amazing John Gilkey, if anybody uh-huh. ever wants to look up John Gilkey, he's an amazing, amazing, brilliant clown and director. And, um, and so we were going camping that week and we weren't supposed to come back till Monday night and they wanted me to come in on Monday. So I said, is there any way for me to come in on Tuesday? Like, yeah, it's fine. You're the only person they're seeing. I'm like, what? How does that happen? What does that mean? I I know. (laughs) That's what I was like. When does that happen? And so the whole weekend. And I can pick my time that I'm coming in. Right, exactly. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, and, and so the weekend we're off in the bushes camping and stuff, (laughs) doing all sorts of weird clown things out there. And, and, um, and, uh, and he's running lines with me. Right. And. So I get in and do the audition and they were like, oh, that's great. We love, we love it. It's awesome. And I, and I, then I, then I get the word that I booked this role and 
I honestly, and they said, oh, yeah, you know, this this is uh, likely going to be a recurring character. Now, when I hear that, I'm, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. whatever. One more time. Like, how many times have I heard that yeah, and then I've been in one episode, right? right. It happens so many times. So, as, Which I think a lot of people don't know. Actors want to hear that recurring thing, the word recurring, mm-hmm. but you don't ever count on it. Never. Right. I don't even I don't even count on like once I once I booked it to even show up on set until they get my call time. <laughs> you know they're gonna cancel the show like the day before I'm supposed to be there or something. Very smart. You know I I don't take anything for granted anymore. It's on um, a need to know basis. Exactly. It's oh I have a call time. Excellent. What Excellent. time do I need to be there? <laughs> once the contract is signed and the offer's there, then I'm then okay. you feel better. Yeah, right? then I feel better. Okay, so um, they say you have it. Yeah, and it's possibly recurring. Yeah, and then. Um, the casting director, um, who's a just wonderful woman, Krisha Bullock. Um, oh, I love Krisha Bullock. Yeah, you know yeah. her? Mm-hmm. So they're just, and, they're and Jamie. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just this, awesome office. Such a great team. And so care, they care so much about actors and they have such a great. And they care about kids. They care about yes, kid actors. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. But adults too, they just, they just are, and they're brilliant at casting. Brilliant. Um, which I'll tell you another story about why I, I think want, that. I do want um, to hear that. But so, um. So Krisha said, "Hey, you know, your character um, moves in to the man cave um, at the at the end of this episode. That's a good sign." You're like, and, I might get a second call time. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and I I'm still going. Yeah, whatever. You know, like I don't take anything for again. I'm, well, that's a nice thought, but I'm wow, booked for so one grounded. Episode. So that well, or pessimist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with grounded. Go go with grounded. Okay. Um, so then I get another call saying, "Hey, Dan wants to meet with you um, to talk about the accent." He never does this, right? And I'm, okay, so I go in and I meet with them and they want to talk about the accent and we talk about the accent. You know, um, I come on set and I'm seeing what's going on. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to be here next week. Is this, this is your cool. first time you've ever had a director session on your accent? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we talk about the accent. I told him what I was doing and, and he liked it. And he was, he was like, go, go a little more gravelly, you know, talk more like this, you know. And so I did for, for a few episodes, but then I just kept on gravitating toward this higher pitch for some reason and it kind of just... Stuck. Ended up stuck, sticking, yeah. They didn't say, hey, don't do that anymore. So I guess they were okay with it. When did you stop worrying about the call time? I don't ever. I, I, I still go, well, they could, I, don't, I never take it for granted. I this mean, this is four years later, yeah, by the way. Yeah. 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 Humble. I mean, I, I mean, I think I kind of go, well, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm likely to be in all the episodes that there were most of the, not all the episodes, but, you know, more, the majority of the episodes. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't take it for granted unless I have a contract that says, hey, this is what you're doing. I mean, there's just too many variables. I understand. You know? So how has it been being on the show? Amazing? It's been a blast. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, one of the most amazing gifts out of it is how easy it is to make a kid happy. If you're just mm-hmm. out and about doing, out and about doing things <laughs> and um, a kid recognizes me and stuff and they want to take a picture and then. I could just tell it's just made their day. Then they're just so happy. The parent just comes over and says, Oh my God, like, thank, thank you. you. And it's just so easy to do. And, and it just, it, it makes you feel like, wow. Okay. So people think about having power in Hollywood, you know, it's like the whole mm-hmm. producing thing. Well, that to me is power is, is when you can make a kid smile. just make a kid happy. It's, it, it's so easy. All you have to I do is, I told my nephew that there. I was talking to you today mm-hmm. and he is, a, he's a super Uber fan and he just started telling me everything. And I was like, okay, okay, let me just, right. I'll, I'll talk to you after. <laughs> so, but it is amazing to see when you have an impact on somebody like that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's just, you know, as, as actors, maybe actors, everybody wants this in their life. Everybody wants to make an impact, right? Of course. Regardless of their profession or who they are. 
And as actors, um, perhaps we were raised in some sort of dysfunction in which we have a, more of a desire to do that. I don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. if it's if it's that or if it's really like legitimately uh, something else. But whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, when you get evidence that you've made impact, it's an amazing, such feeling. a validating feeling. It's and it's so. It's just a win-win all around. Yeah, yeah, I think it's amazing. So tell me, Krisha Bullock story. Okay, so there was an episode where all of the villains um, mm-hmm. had to go in this lair underground, and um, Benjeru, who plays the toddler, the toddler kind of wrangles them all and wants to take <laughs> Captain Man and Kid, Kid Danger down. And so I look around and I see this tableau of all of the villains, and I and I and they were all cast. Not at the same time, sequentially as episodes come up, because they don't know, the writers don't know what they're going to write three episodes down. They're Correct. in process. So, um, and I look at all, at all, and I see how they have curated this cast of villains over this th- that time. I guess it was the third or third season, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and it just hit me how much of an art casting is. And... Oh that they and that so much of it may not be conscious but it's like most art right is so much of it is not conscious that you're just creating and you're channeling something through and they had cast all these other villains and then they were adding to it and and then you see this tableau you see the result of this villain stew Mm -hmm. you know and just go wow that's the perfect flavor just this whole group is so well cast and so you just have everything in there and ideal to the show supporting what's going on yeah just it, and interesting interesting and the and just there was it was just a, like one of those paintings where it just has all the colors and i went up to them later and i said now i understand what you do you know, oh, it's it's that's awesome yeah and that's, that's them they're amazing casting directors so from winnipeg school to toronto Toronto to here. Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto. Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto to here. Um, Along that way, was there ever, did you ever have an odd job that kept the lights on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. Can you tell me what it was? (laughs) There were so many when I was in my early 20s. There were so many. I think the weirdest job Mm -hmm. was selling styrofoam puppets in Stanley Park. (laughs) How'd you get there? Like, I, how'd you, I how don't, did you see an ad in a paper? I saw an ad. <laughs> I saw an ad because I, I think I needed to make rent and I didn't have the rent money. And and I just needed to make, like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks or something. And this guy was was making, he made, like, you know those styrofoam balls that you buy at Michael's or something? Mm-hmm. So he had, like, taken those and put felt and pipe cleaners and all sorts of crap on them. And they were, like, marionettes. And they were actually not bad. Right. And they were, I think they were, they were pretty pricey for, at the time for like 20 bucks or something, which was pricey for a bunch of styrofoam <laughs> and pipe cleaners, but they worked, they were marionettes. And so I would take these and I would be like marionetting them. And did then you have voices with them. Probably. I don't yeah. remember. I probably did some little it was play your talent that sold them. <laughs> I don't know. I, so when I was like, you know, doing this whole puppet those and I would, I would sell them. I would, I mean, I'd go to this guy's place and somewhere in East Vancouver and go to his basement and pick up a bunch of puppets and then come back and then give him the money and you know, take a cut. And it was this weird thing. And you were like I'm, a drug dealer. For I, know, I, like, I know it was <laughs> this illegal puppet, pu- underground puppet thing. So, um, I remember this one time I had like my, a, my bag of puppets and someone with a skate <laughs> sorry, bag of puppets. How many times do you hear that? In a day? So this guy came on some skateboard or something and he landed on one of them and crushed the styrofoam head. And I was so upset it was like it killed my child or something and um and i came back to the guy and i, I thought he was gonna be so mad and i said one of the puppets someone stepped on the puppets and he's like 
it's okay, dude. It's fine. I'm like thinking, well, yeah, because it cost you 10 cents to make, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he was happy that you were out there for him. Yeah, I know. And I, I actually sold, I did a pretty good, I got, I made my rent. Yeah. I, I can tell you're a very committed person once you engage. With I, something. Yeah. It, the thing is, I'm not that discerning, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So with that said, uh, I know that you teach and mm. I know that you're involved with AFI and, and SAG, which is the first time I met you was you were doing a, a workshop and I thought you were brilliant oh, as a teacher. You. Thank you. And what you were giving to the students was fantastic. Oh, thank you. I yeah, appreciate that. It was really awesome. And I remember coming home thinking like, yeah, why isn't everyone doing what he's doing? Mm. So tell me about teaching. Mm, I, I love teaching. I can't imagine can just acting that. and not teaching. I think it's, um, I, th- I know that since I started teaching, I became a way better actor. It, How and why? I think for a number of reasons. I think there's, number one, the obvious reason, reason, which is when you have to explain something to someone else, you have to try and understand it yourself. Mm-hmm. So in that process, you know, you understand. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I had to go through that. And, um, and then also because I think teaching is the one, one place that I feel very present, very alive, very connected. Mm-hmm. And guess what you need to be in acting alive, present and connected. Yeah. So for sure it became my reference point to how I need to be feeling in a scene when I'm acting. So if, if I'm not feeling as connected and alive and passionate and focused as I am when I'm teaching, then I'm doing something wrong in the scene. Yeah. Wow. If all of us could get that, huh? Well, I think everybody can. Cause I think everybody has something that they do that, that they're that, connected yes, to. Yes, that yeah. they feel like that. And so in my classes, I, tr- I really encourage people to, f- to articulate what that is and to think about what that is. And it could be, it could be, it doesn't have to be teaching, obviously, because not that many te- people teach who are acting, but um, it could be horseback riding. It could mm-hmm. be, ta- it could be taking care of a, a, an animal or a, the a thing child. Where they see themselves reflected back almost in a, that you can learn from yourself, learn about yourself through that activity. I guess that's one way of saying it. Yeah. Although it's, I think, yeah, I mean, maybe that's one way of saying it. I think it's, it's just a, it's a place where you feel completely like you don't care what people think of you. Mm. You're just, you're free. Is that where you, is that how you feel teaching? Yeah. I mean, I I care obviously, like I care, but I I don't care in that way of, like the ego way, you know, where yeah. you're, you're like you're thinking, am I, am I saying the right thing? Is this okay? I don't, I, I really focus on the student or the, the actor, the, per, the person that I'm dealing with and going, I'm really tuning in and tracking going, what do they need? Mm. It's not about me. It's about them. Absolutely. And so I come off of myself and that's what act, good acting is. You're off of yourself and you're onto the other person in the scene and you're focused there. How do I get what I need? Do, 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 do. So it is, it is kind of, it's, it's a bit of a paradox because it's how do I get what I need in the scene? How do I fight for what I need? Mm-hmm. But you're totally focused on the other person. And you can see that you don't exist in that scenario because you're so focused on the other person. Right. Yeah. And that where actors get really caught up is when they get self-conscious and that their focus is on them, not themselves, not on, yeah, not Mm -hmm. on the other actor in the scene, not on the other character. And good acting comes from that place of what I call a character agenda, not actor agenda, 
where you're the it's it's you're you're playing through the character's agenda, not through your own, not through the actors, not through your personal agenda. Yeah, so, so that's I love that. Yeah, so self consciousness comes from when your actor agenda is in the foreground, mm. not the character agenda. So when you can you can switch it by getting super focused on the what other the character. character wants. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So since we're on to you about teaching and actors, what's one piece of advice or several pieces that you would give to a young actor or an actor who's been in the business for some time and maybe has lost their passion mm. about it? What, mm-hmm. What's something you, what's some advice you would give somebody? Mm. Well, probably different things for different, those different I'd contexts. Love to hear yeah. Both. So yeah. I think for actors that are just getting into the business, I would say really develop your truth barometer. You Talk know? to me about that. Well, there's, there's just so much, and there isn't every, it, there is everywhere. It's not just in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in the entertainment business, as we've been learning and seeing, um, uh, there are, there are people who will abuse their power in a particular way that it may not be as evident as if you're in, when you're in a general nine to five workplace, mm-hmm. it's not as clear, you know? So you want to, if something doesn't feel right, you really stop and think about it. Don't don't get trapped by oh well if I don't do this then that person won't like me and da 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 da. Like once mm-hmm. you notice it, awareness, just develop your awareness because awareness leads you to opportunity all the time. If you're mm-hmm. not aware, you won't see it coming, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people listen to that little the truth barometer? Right. Yeah. Well, they start with the things where it's not a challenge to listen to it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do I want for breakfast? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you know, I want that this feels right. I need that, you know, you, you kind of, and then, oh, I liked when that person said something to me that felt, or that, or I, you know, you notice in yourself when you say something to yourself, oh, that feels true. This feels like I'm it, lying to myself in yeah. some way. I'm not really. And you build up that awareness so that when you get hit with the big stuff, your truth barometer is developed and you go, oh, yeah, I know that this is BS. You're muscled up. You're muscled right. up. You can't. You can't just develop that out of nowhere. It really takes time and, and it's, it's, it's maturity, but it's also being willing to put your own well-being first before I think that's, faux opportunity. I think that's great advice for, a, for any actor, not just young, but someone new to the business. That's a great start. Mm-hmm. Now, how about someone that's been in the business for a while and maybe has ignored their truth barometer or been kicked around or has you know, bitter an and attitude. twisted. Yeah, yeah, bitter and twisted. <laughs> well, how do we how do we redirect them? Well, I think the number one question is, you know, what do you want? Do you want to fix that attitude? Do you want to stay in the business and fix you want to find a way to fix that attitude or are you really wanting to leave? I mean that's the number one question. And if they want to fix the attitude, then it's um okay when were, when did this derail and looking back, it, it becomes forensic. Mm. And then, you know, kind of looking back at what, what created that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's easy to get there, but I think there's some sort of story that we tell ourselves when we go to those bitter and twisted places yeah. and we believe it. So I think it's getting back to the passion, getting back to the love of what they're doing and reminding them why they started, why did they start and what's in the way of them getting that. What it's, and it's usually like something along the lines of, well, I can't because I have to make money or I, as soon as, as, I mean, I've always, I've always made sure that I didn't, um, uh, just rely on acting for money. 
that had other sources of income so mm -hmm. that I wouldn't go, I have so to book smart. this job, I have to book this job. So you weren't relying on your passion. You no. were able to just allow your passion to be free. Right, and that's a really good way of killing it is to rely on your passion for money. No, it's killed more dreams than anything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, what's next? What's on the horizons for you? I mean, I know you're still on the show. Uh, yeah. You're still doing voiceovers and yeah. teaching. So I'd like to hear about that, but I'd also like to know, like, what's, what does Michael <laughs> D. Cohen want? Like, what is the next thing? Um, well, the next thing that's in terms of booked, I have a, a, a show that I wrote, a TV. Well, it's, it has, there's, a, there's a pilot based on but I have a solo show um, that I'm putting up. Um, I'm doing workshopping in the summer. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, and there's a, a, a TV pilot idea based on that. So I'm developing that. And um, I just shot an espresso commercial with George Clooney. Oh. So that's going to be on. What? Let's just stop for a minute. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I just love it how women just absolutely fall apart when you say Clooney. They just swoon and, uh, you know, yikes. say Michael D. Cohen. They're like, yeah, <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> so tell us about it. Can you tell <laughs> We look alike too. I mean, we see each other. At, I see him at auditions all the time. He's always he's still reading for stuff. Your buds, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, no, it's was a, it great to work with him? Oh, of or? course. Yeah, yeah, it was my second time getting to work with him. I worked with him on Suburbicon. Oh, right. Yeah, he directed that, and um, and so um, his his business partner Grant Heslov was directing this commercial, and uh, we shot it a couple of weeks ago. That's so awesome. It'll be out. In a That's couple awesome. Months. What's the dream for you? What would you, if you could, if you could write it, would, would it be your pilot to be produced and aired or what yeah, is it? Yeah, to, to, to write and produce. Um, and I'm also directing now. I'm starting to get back, get, get into that, not get back. I've, I've directed theater, um, which I love doing, but directing uh, TV is something I really love to do. And um, I've been starting on Oh, on I think that. they'd be grateful to have you. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. I well, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of directors out there, so, but uh, it's something I'd I'd love to do. And and um, being on a successful, long-running primetime network sitcom that's that's been oh, yeah. yeah that's that's my dream. So I, I love that. Um, was there a moment that you ever thought you were going to quit the business? No, not really. No. 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 Your passion and determination has always been, this is it. Is, do you think it's because you never relied on, this is what I have to make? I, oh, this is the only thing I have to make money? I think because you got that straight in your head right away? Maybe. Um, maybe. I think it's also because I, I love it so much. I love what I'm doing. And... Um, I think that when I've hit lows, I've always sort of asked myself, okay, what's going on? You know, what, what's happening? But it, it wasn't... It, so a low isn't, I should leave this profession. The low is like, what's happening with me personally? Right, right. But no, A huge distinction. It's not this, you know, when you go, the, the, people feel kicked around by the business. The business isn't doing anything. The business is just doing its thing. It's, it doesn't, it's not personal. It's not doing anything to us. And, I mean, the entitlement is the worst yeah, let's talk about thing. that for a minute. Right? <laughs> let's talk about entitlement in the business because it's it, it's a really it's really deadly. It is insecurity and lack of self confidence is probably one, two, and entitlement is three. Yeah, which looks like the opposite, but they're all really related. They are. Yeah, it's a lovely little 
family. Little triad. Yeah. Triad of dysfunction. So how do you how do you tell your students or yourself to overcome that? Well, you know, I teach um, for this this senior class for um, University of Texas at Austin. They mm-hmm. do an immersion program here in Hollywood, and I teach a business class. That's one of the one of the classes, and um, and I basically say, look, a get a side hustle. You Love know, that. Have a side hustle that not not just for the first few years, but one that you can do your entire life, because you're gonna there's gonna be lows, there's gonna be times where you're not gonna book I anything for a year. I love that you're saying this. I, I mean, it's so important, especially yeah. with the way our industry is is now. Um, side hustle. No one's telling young actors, hey, you got to have many streams of income, not just one. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell them to, if they have a skill that they can become self-employed in, you know, carpentry, bookkeeping, um, computer, fixing computers, like I don't, whatever, that they can have their own little business from home and they can work their own hours and go on an audition or get a booking and it's not going to interfere with stuff versus a nine to five job. Um, to do that and develop it because that, and it's something they love doing, something mm-hmm. not, not just go, oh God, I got to do that, but something they really enjoy doing that, that something just, it's not soul draining. Yeah, that yeah. they that they feel like oh well this is a skill that I really I really enjoy doing and I can do this, it, you know, um, cooking and selling it at a farmer's market. I don't whatever. Right. Um, that the, they first of all it rounds you out as a person, but also it gives you this other income that you don't that you're free with your time and you can create your own hours and it's just really really important. So smart. Um, I have to go back to something we talked about mm-hmm. in the beginning. So, you know, I, of course, I looked you up online, and Michael D. Cohen, and you weren't the first oh name God. to pop up. I know, I know. <laughs> so, can you please tell me I what know. it's like that when you Google yourself and it's not you? I mean, I don't know what the yeah, audience... Late at night, at three in the morning when you can't sleep and you go, let me just Google myself. Let me myself. just Google myself. <laughs> <laughs> because if, when I Google you, who comes up beside you? Um, You're right there with him. Yeah, I know. Look... Um, here's the deal. <laughs> I had an extra $130,000. I just thought, let's just get the guy out of hot water, you know? <laughs> it's an attorney. There's another, yes. right? That's so Trump's attorney Trump's is Michael attorney, D. Cohen. Michael D. Cohen. Yes. And, and this lovely, generous actor is sitting in front of me with tons of talent who has to share this moniker with him at this time. I, um, I have a couple funny stories about this. Would you tell um, me? Yeah. So... One of my students in UT Austin um, had, I guess, was talking to his sister, and um, he, he needed to go home. And he, he had sent a, a copy of a text conversation we had to the sister, and it said on my thing, it says Michael D. Cohen. And she says, is Trump's lawyer your teacher? <laughs> yes. And I write my student back and I said, she, tell me she's kidding. And so I said to him back something like, I wonder how many people are going up to Trump's lawyer and saying, is he Schwaz? <laughs> That would be the greatest video ever <laughs> if someone could capture that. If anyone out there has the guts to go up and say, "Are you Schwaz?" No. I would. Um, that would be amazing. Okay, so here's here's another okay. story. <laughs> so I'm I'm going. I go to my IMDb Pro page, mm-hmm. and on it it has. Uh, or no, I didn't even go there. I went under you know on news on IMDb, and mm-hmm. you can scroll down and see what the news is. I'm scrolling down, and all of a sudden I see my picture. Oh God. And I look at it, and it says, Michael D. Cohen pays Stormy, what's her name? Stormy Weather, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, $130,000. Blah, blah, and, and, and my picture is right there no. next to the headline. And this is like a number five in the headlines in IMDb. <laughs> what do you do? Like, what, what do you, you're I, sitting here in your living room and you say what to yourself? Oh. And you can curse. I, I, oh, my. Oh, oh. F- <laughs> You know, my, my first reaction is, oh God, I, you know, I don't know what people's political beliefs are, but mine is certainly not, not that. that. And I, I was just, you know, horrified and, um, (laughs) I did not want to be associated with that administration, you know? And, and so, uh, I, um, cause it's just some algorithm pulling your picture and well, yeah, they, they go, I guess so. They, 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 yeah, they, and they, my line, my name is highlighted and you click on it, it takes, it takes you to my page. And I click on the, the, the article and it's there and it's, it's, um, for the rap. And then over the next couple of days, there's one from people, two from people magazine, some people, one from deadline and they all have my picture on it all in this form. And then not only that, I thought, I actually thought it was funny at one point when it was just on the newsfeed, I thought it was funny because it's going to be there a couple of days. But then what happens is I look at my, my actual page Mm -hmm. and they have, you know, you have news that's on your page at the bottom corner. And those articles are all listed on my page. Come on. Yeah. Michael D. Cohen pays blah, 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 all on my page. And that's when I got furious. Yeah. And um, it's no longer a, a, a mistake, an algorithm. Now they're, they're, now they're actually, it to you. Yeah. Now to me, it feels like career. defamation. Yeah. And so I, um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I but co- what do you do? Like, do you I, do well, something I, at that point? I, I had texted my manager and he was in New York so he's getting this at one in the morning and immediately I get a response and he had, and he says, I've, I've just called Deb. I've talked, he, he somehow found the, the author of the first article and said, get this off. Like, this is get not his okay. Picture off. Get yeah. his picture off. And, um, and then he's making calls over the next few days. One article after another, after another for about four or five days when this thing really hit was getting on my page. And I sent IMDb a very polite email. The first, my first email was very polite. <laughs> I, I understand there's been a, a misunderstanding. It's been a, a, little, a little error, a little mix up. Second was a little more forceful. Perhaps you didn't see my first email. <laughs> you know, the second one was basically threatening to get a lawyer well, and yeah. immediately it was taken off. Well, and for pe- people that don't understand IMDb is a is something that's used by you is something that people can look yeah. at it's it's yeah. it's your credentials and yeah. your credit yeah. right yeah so but, but they 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 took it off but then what happened is they didn't just take it off they took all every there's no more i think they just made it impossible for my name to be linked with anything so now oh, no they news probably articles can't control there. they probably can't control it at yeah. this time so maybe at some point they'll put my name back up so any news articles that are actually relevant and legit will get connected to my page but for now there's nothing there but i think it's important for people to hear it's okay to stand up for yourself it's okay to say hey not not all right d-link no matter oh, what yeah, yeah yeah no i mean that was it was not okay it was, I think, irresponsible, you know, so, and, and perhaps they realized that and that's why they, <laughs> they delinked it. So I appreciate that. Um, um be, before we close out here, I have a, a, a follow-up to you with your students. I know you say get a side hustle, but what's the one thing you, you hope your students take away from you, with you, from your classes? I think that to to really um, understand how important it is for us as actors to know who we are as people. And like to, to, and I don't just, it's not just a head thing. It's to be growing constantly, to be seeing that acting 
like, you know, the Shirley MacLaine thing, it's mm-hmm. a path to God, that it's, it's your way back to yourself, that we're the only profession, really. I mean, maybe some other artists like dancers, but we're the only ones that really use ourselves as our instrument and as our product. And so that means that we need to know what make what is this so we know what buttons to push to get the reactions we need. But moreover, that we are so we have this gift that that we we need to know who we are in order to do what we do. Absolutely. We need to understand we need to understand human behavior. We need to understand other people. We need to have compassion. And so I think developing compassion for ourselves and for other people will allow us to play to be that much more generous with the characters that we're playing and, and more to tell deeper, better stories. I love that. Um, what was your favorite moment or moments in the business? Um, I've had so many, I mean, yeah, I'm a huge Carol Burnett fan, right? She's the reason I got I into this that. business. Um, just, just somehow I just feel like, or like the way that she inspired me was just so visceral. Um, and so getting, there was a moment where I was, I mean, this wasn't really in the business, but I was at a, um, an event where she and Tim Conway were talking and, um, I asked her a question and there was a huge man behind me, like he was probably six, eight, about 400 pounds. And, you know, I'm, you know, five, one on a good day, 116 pounds or something. <laughs> I'm standing in front. I was I said to him, "Look, I teach, and I want to know what do you guys think? Is, how do you define what a comedy? How, what what is the what do you say, what makes comedy work?" And Tim Conway sees me standing in front of this guy, and he basically says, "And I'm at the mic," and he goes, "That." <laughs> <laughs> and I turn around, I look at the guy, and I don't know what possessed me, but I started climbing him. So I I kind of I like I just sort of wrap my arms around him and then my legs, and then we just sort of went up. And then over, head first, over his shoulder and down to the floor. <laughs> and this was at the Saban Theater oh, yeah. on Wilshire. And it seats, I don't know, a couple thousand people. Yeah. And apparently Queen Latifah was there that night and Bob Newhart. And and the into- everybody was just in hysterics, that feeling that is just like, you, you know. Went with you're, it. Yeah. And, and um, it was just this incredible feeling. And I could hear Carol Burnett laughing and I made Carol Burnett laugh. Oh. It was... That's amazing just, yeah. yeah that's just the moment yeah yeah anything else um working on powerless uh-huh. was an amazing i mean working on henry danger obviously is great um that's so but that's over there's you know there's no i can't think of one moment on henry danger but other and things still that continue. Are, yeah yeah but the but powerless um was a week and i got to play a character that I don't get much opportunity to play, although I probably should, because it's this guy with the Napoleon complex where he's just, he's just, he's the boss and he's just bossing everybody around. He's just a real asshole. You know? <laughs> and um, getting to work with Vanessa Hudgens, um, who is probably one of the most delightful, just grounded, spiritual, like just talented, t- gifted, gifted mm-hmm. to a crazy, crazily gifted. Um, and the, the team on that show and the crew and it was just an amazing experience and, and it was, it just, it really reinforced why I'm doing this and what I love to do. I just felt at home and, but I also got, it just, I guess working with Vanessa Hudgens was just such an amazing experience because it, it just showed me how important it is to be a good person. Yes. You know, and she's just a really good person, a gifted, Gifted, talented, good good person. person. Yeah. 
And you, my friend, are a gifted and good person, too. Oh, well, thank you. And, and so are you. <laughs> it's been a delight to talk to you. I have so many more questions, but um, it, it's so nice to talk to someone so genuine and like the mm. real deal. And your honesty is completely refreshing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to Hold the Drama. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did and you learned a little something about what it takes to create a life in show business. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook at Hold the Drama, Instagram at Hold underscore the drama, or Twitter at Hold underscore the drama. And remember, when it all feels a bit much, take a moment to breathe, dig in, and tell the universe to hold the drama.